0: Kia ora, BBC Fano, and a very warm welcome to you and those who may be tuning in from outside our BBC community. Uh, my name is Rob Stacey, I'm the Generations Pastor, and it is my privilege this uh, this Sunday to be partnering with our very own Pastor Mon, Monica Carey, and bringing you the second in this series, uh, second message in the series, His Kingdom. And if you tuned in last week, you may be aware that uh, we're going to be looking at a number of Jesus' famous parables. That begin with the words, the kingdom of God is like, or the kingdom of heaven is like. And last week, Pastor Craig uh, did a great overview of this theme, his kingdom. And he described quite aptly, I think, what a kingdom of God looks like. It's like something you haven't seen anywhere else. It's got citizens that, that demonstrate and, and, and live its values. As we get into the second week, I wanted to take a few moments and uh, and get into this message by taking a short reflection on the essence of parables. Me and are going to take time to, to share that with you. We're going to spend the next few weeks looking at a number of these powerful rhetorical stories and um, things that bring image to life as we build this picture of what this kingdom like no other is like. When I first became a Christian and began reading the parables it, it struck me that the illustrations although they were pretty familiar they were they were shrouded there is this mysterious element about them and I took pleasure reading them but I I really had to apply myself to take time to sit with their meaning it took effort it took thinking it took what I would say a different set of lenses you see parables require a different set of historical lenses and interpretive lenses to other parts of the Bible. It's a different kind of uh, rhetorical way of bringing truth to life. There's a great quote um, that I found this week, and it says that a parable does not tell a truth to a person as much as it helps a person discover the truth. A truth discovered is is more powerful than, than one told. I remember a teacher saying to me once, more is caught than taught, and, and more value comes from those things that we discover for ourselves. Uh, last week, Pastor Craig used the, the image of a, of a Fijoa, trying to describe how something tastes, uh, its texture, its, its smell, to people who haven't eaten them before. And I know Monica is gonna be sharing in a minute. I, I know she, when she came to New Zealand, never tasted these. It can be really difficult trying to describe something to someone who's never seen it before. Parables were delivered like someone delivering a spoken word piece of poetry. It's a word picture that's, that's structured to, to evoke a response, to challenge and to, and to push your buttons, to make you think, to make you act. It's compelling. There was a, a scholar this week that I read, and it says it's a bit like being given a map to the heart of a maze. The point of the map is is first to to help people see where they are in the maze and then it's to help them find uh, and help them find their way out or where they ought to be to get out. However, some of us think of that a little bit in reverse also, don't we? Um, Although we have a map, a picture of where we ought to be, we must first discover where we are. You see, our goal in this series is to unpack the, 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 these parables of Jesus and, and, and how we told them and to build our picture week by week of that kingdom. As our quote suggests, helping you as listeners, as disciples of Christ, discover that truth for yourself. So as we re-examine some of these familiar stories, we've got to keep an ear out for what the Spirit is stirring in us. And allow the spirit to say the hard things to us as we read these scriptures. And so today, our scripture comes to us from Matthew 13. And it's the parable of the soils. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it. While all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things and parables saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because of the soil was because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to people in parables? decipher them. Over to you, Mom.
1: Hello, church family. I hope you can picture um, in your minds the scene that Rob just read for us. You see, the crowds have come to see Jesus, so much so that he actually has to get into a boat to, to create some distance between him and the crowd so he can talk to them from there. Now, it's a mixed crowd. You have the haters, those that are flat out opposed to Jesus and his ministry. You have the groupies, those that are there who just want to touch Jesus and get a healing from him. You have the curious. They're those that have no real connection to um, Jesus, but they're there to watch the show. (laughs) And then you have true friends, those that are committed followers of Jesus. So Jesus is in the boat and he sits down and the water acts like a natural amphitheater and it conducts his voice well. And then he starts to tell the crowds parables about farming. Now I can only imagine the confusion on the crowds faces they'd be like, what? No miracles? No healings? Just farming tips? You mean, I took the day off work for this? You see, even the disciples seem a bit confused because they go to Jesus later and it says in verse 10 um, that they ask him, why do you speak to the crowds in parables? In other words, Jesus, what's up with that? (laughs) Why are you talking to the crowds in this way? And Jesus replies, he says, because the knowledge of the secrets of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. And then he starts quoting Isaiah six and he tells them, he says, the reason why I tell them parables is because though seeing, they do not see, though hearing, they do not hear or understand. And then he says, because this generation of people, these people's hearts have become calloused and they, they're not hearing and they're not seeing. And then he says to the disciples in verse 16, he says, But blessed are your eyes because they do see, and your ears because they do hear. He says, The prophets and the righteous people longed to hear what you um, hear and longed to see what you see. And then he says, Now listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Now, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. This is a seed sown along the path. He says, a seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. But the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding hundred, sixty or thirty times that what was sown. Well, church, there's nothing like reading a good parable only to have that parable read us. So let's get out our maps, let's put our ears to the ground as we unpack these four soils and their response to the word. Over to you, Rob.
0: Amen. Thanks for that, Mon. So we have four different soils represented in this extended passage, and the soils represent, I believe, our lives as believers. The seeds are the word of God, the work of God in us. And I'm sure the listeners in the original context would have, would have been very aware of that imagery, that horticultural, agricultural imagery that Jesus was using. It was very much the staple, a way of living and uh, earning money in their world. And I think at varying stages, Jesus described this as an aspect of the kingdom. And we hear this throughout scripture. Um, I think. Often in our world, we don't realize, but our lives can represent each part of the soil depending on where we're at in our relationship with God, where we're at with relationship to Scripture. Sometimes we are the rocky soil. At other times, uh, in other areas, our lived experiences can, can reflect the soil choked by thorn bushes. I actually believe that each of the soils can represent us from time to time, let me elaborate a little bit on that first image. the image of the path in the ancient Near Eastern culture, fields of, of, of food crops and agriculture were was, was spread everywhere. They were they were kept close to the villages and to water sources for an obvious reason. they didn't want to carry it miles and often what would happen is is these paths, these roads, these well-trodden places. Uh, would seemingly just go through the middle of these crops in these fields um people would just plant anywhere they could it was it was their livelihoods and if there was fertile soil there, they would put it there even if it 's at the gate of their village and so farmers would would uh take their receptacle of seed that they'd so um they'd stored from the year before um during planting and they would they would just liberally um throw that around the place. Um, They would plow their fields and they would prepare that soil, uh, but they would, they would liberally throw it around. And as they did so, obviously some of that would, would fall on a path. They would hope that it would land in so many other places, of course. um, But they, they hoped that by sowing liberally, they would see a greater crop and that more things had a chance of, of taking root and growing. Uh, And it was inevitable as they, as they were casting that seed for those things to fall on the paths that that wound through those crops. Sometime, like like weeds popping up through your cobblestones in your home, the seeds would find a crack and they would sprout. But really, if ever, did they take root and produce fruit? Because in a flash, birds would be there. They would would eat that seed. And any stray seed that had fallen there didn't have much chance. If it wasn't the birds, then the feet of animals or carts would destroy what's left and pound it into that, that firm, firm ground. And then Jesus, pretty pointedly, as he, as he addressed the many hundreds standing before him, he says these words. He says, some of you are like this path. You see, the kingdom of God and all it constitutes can't, cannot penetrate soil hardened and trampled and unreceptive to the word of God. There's a great picture in the Middle Ages, knights and soldiers alike would be baptized with with their sword hand out of the water so as to keep uh, their hand for battle and for for killing, as if doing that made it righteous and and, um, without any judgment. I wonder, though, how many of us do exactly the same thing in areas of our lives, where we won't allow the truth or the power of God's word to penetrate to plow through those hard places and allow the kingdom life to spring and to bear fruit in us. I know in my own life, I've, you know God has challenged and even embarrassed me as I read the words of Jesus, as I understood something new about his kingdom that I did not have bearing fruit in my life. You see, for many years, I held on to unforgiveness about the things in my childhood um bitterness that, that harmed me for um well bitterness that harmed me more than those who were the perpetrators. And so I wonder, are there areas in your life that still represent the hard path, the unyielding soil, the the sword hand? Maybe, maybe there's an addiction in your life that you're struggling to shake. It's been there for a long time. Maybe there is or there was abuse that that you've endured, and it's created scars it's it's created a hardened path in part of your life. maybe it's unforgiveness like me that you harbored for many years pride that you that you hold on to, maybe it's a spirit of stinginess where you, you're being challenged to serve another or to give more than you desire, but but God is pulling on that string and and you're just resisting. In fact, you're getting harder with every request he puts to you. Hmm. I don't know, but some experience or or maybe it's, it's, it's brokenness has created path like soil. Ruts that are resistant to the truth of scripture and the love of Jesus. And when the word of God challenges that and the Holy Spirit convicts us of that, the instinct is, only to become more firm. I wonder what part of your life, past or present, is being exposed in the season as path, as hard ground, resisting the careful and the loving work of Jesus and the Spirit because we can be drawn there. This is a time like no other. Lockdown and isolation do things to people. Is it pressing on that hardened path? You see, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of restoration and hope, of freedom and liberty from ourselves and into the care of a king. See, the kingdom of God is about restoration of people. And I wonder, will you allow the plow to break through the hardened ground so that the seed of God can penetrate? That can bring new life, new fruitfulness where it's never been before. It's something that we all have to deal with at some point in our life. And I wonder right now if it's something that you're dealing with. There is more types of soil. And so I'm going to hand over to Monica now to lead us through the next part of the passage.
1: Now in the second soil mentioned, Jesus said, Others like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word. And at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. In essence, Jesus is saying that there are others who, once they hear the word, you start to see life change. Um, Maybe it's others like family or your friends, or maybe it's you. And they have this Jesus moment in their life and change and growth starts to happen. There's newness going on there and they're real excited about it. But when trouble comes or adversity hits or this Christian thing starts to cost them something, they're easily plucked up. Um, You see, the soil looks really good on the outside. But if you just dust off the surface, even just a little bit, what you see are rocks and stone. See, it's that little plant that Rob mentioned that grows between the crack and the cobbles It wasn't there one minute, but the next day, (laughs) it's like a foot tall. It's like, yeah, a foot tall. And when you go to um, pull it, it pulls out so easily. Now, it pulls out easily because there's no roots. There's no depth. And church, when there's no root in a plant, there's no life. Jesus is saying that there are some people who have no spiritual root in their life, that there's nothing that they are anchored to. Maybe it's because their Christianity is based on their parents or it's based on a pastor or a speaker or the music and the ambiance of the church they attend. You see, they are attending church, but there's nothing that they're really committed to. There's no relationships they're forming or any deeper um, spiritual um, growth going on. And as soon as opposition comes or as soon as you get back to those old friendships or those old relationships or you get pushed back from family members or real adversity hits like losing a job or a health scare and life starts to go pear-shaped, then you're out, you're done. It's because I, I didn't sign up for this. See, we've all had conversations where we ask, whatever happened to so-and-so? They were doing so good there for a while. It was such a quick start, but like that quote, Quick starts don't make great endings. You know, I think for me, I was in danger of that very, very scenario when I was a young Christian. I think God had to literally um, take me out of my environment and put me far, far away in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado to do a discipleship training school in YWAM. You see, I had to grow me some roots. God had to grow some roots in me. You see, I was growing spiritually in Orange County. And it was sincere. But when I look back, I think it was a shallow sincerity. Um, You see, I had a lot of rocks. So I made the decision to jump in, all in, and to pursue God wholeheartedly. So I left everything. I left everything behind to go and learn all I could about Jesus. I was passionate. And I'm amazed when I look back because I realized that wasn't even me. That was God in me to pursue pursue him like that. You see, what I didn't know then, but God knew, that adversity would come at me like a tidal wave that summer. And if I hadn't been surrounded by um, mature Christians who loved Jesus with all their hearts and um, who helped root me in his word and more more importantly, root me in his love, I would have walked away. I know me. It was only by the grace of God and the mercy of God that sustained me during that time. You see, I've learned that God's work in my life has to be a personal daily commitment. It can't just be a happy thought or a happy want. Um, You see, like those in the crowd who came to see Jesus, there are those who follow Jesus for the blessing and the best outcome, which we do get. Um, But they want a savior not lordship. They want salvation. I mean, we all do, but they don't want Jesus as their Lord. Um, It's like me wanting to lose weight. (laughs) So you buy the latest fad book on dieting and you read it every day, but nothing seems to happen. (laughs) And a month goes by and you haven't lost any weight. So you try upping your reading time. But like six months later, you jump on the scales and you've gained like three kgs. And then someone asks you, so what's your routine? How's it all going? And I'm like, well, I read that book every day, like every week. Well, have you changed your diet? And I'm like, no, I haven't changed my diet. No, I'm still eating my KFC and my burger fuel. Well, are you exercising? Nah, I'm allergic to exercise. Messes with my hair. (laughs) You see, I don't think anyone would approach a diet program like that. Not even me. Um, but I think sometimes we approach our spiritual walks that way. See, it won't matter how long I have my face in the Bible. You see, it's a personal commitment every day of bending the knee and partnering with the Holy Spirit and and agreeing with the Holy Spirit that this is who I'm going to be. Um, Come scorching heat or hell or high water or heaven, You are who you say you are, God. You can do what you say you can do. I am who you say that I am. And your word is alive and active in me. Root me in the truth of your word, God. Church, his mercies are new every morning, loved ones. It is. Let's surrender to that. Now let's go to Rob to learn about the third soil.
0: How good was that? So there's a third type of soil that is represented as that where the seed has taken root and begun to establish itself yet is overshadowed by the the thorns or as the scripture refers to the worries and the cares of this life the deceitfulness of wealth that that chokes the wood or chokes that fledgling plant of its fruit-bearing potential. Now for me this is a key area that we can all connect with right now. I personally think that this is a direct word for some of you who are listening today. So much of our life in lockdown has been, um, we've been able to take some time to, to assess the fruitfulness of the things that we're applying ourselves to. The words Pastor Craig recently shared in our AMOS series, examine, 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 seem very apt during this, this time. The post-COVID world, the new normal, should not be the same. Why? Because we took the time to discover the true value of key areas in our worlds, just as I shared earlier. You see, working from home for me has taught me that I'm out too many nights a week, that my family have, have loved seeing me more. You don't get that time back. But I can allow the busyness of life, when it goes back to normal, to choke out that truth that we've discovered. You see, it's taught me that even in the midst of this this lockdown, that I actually have a greater capacity to be generous than I am, more generous than I am, and I should create more space to serve others. That conformity in a lot of ways to this world's ideals come nowhere close to the contentment that I find in Christ. These are things that I have learnt during this lockdown, probably things that I've discovered more poignantly. So what has it taught you? What has fallen out of your top 10 priorities for your life as you've had space to think and to reflect? What have the thorns of this life choked the fruit-bearing potential of God in and through you, out of you? Because you were busy pursuing these other things. What is what are those things that are gonna choke that life giving fruit bearing potential out of you? Is it notoriety? Maybe some of you are pursuing a relationship that you shouldn't be? Maybe it's about having the right look, the right ideal things that the world tells you to have, and it's choking those things out. Maybe it's having the right things. Maybe maybe You've been pursuing wealth. And you started out as doing this as a way of serving God, but it's actually become more a way of serving yourself. See, the seed that sprouts among thorns really gets to fruit-bearing potential. So what are the thorns that are choking God's potential in and through you? But there is more to this story, as you know. There is a fourth type of soil. So Monica, why don't you tell us more about that?
1: Now Jesus said, the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, thirty times that what was sown. You see, there are others whose seed produces fruit. And when Jesus said that this good soil produces a crop yielding 30, 60, or a hundred times that what was sown, everyone in that agrarian culture knew that that was crazy fruit. <laughs> crazy. So you could hope to get a five times yield for your crop. That would be great. A seven times yield would be amazing. And there were those rare seasons when a farmer would yield a tenfold return. But 30, 60, a hundred times old—that that is ludicrous. You see, in essence, Jesus says that you and I were created to produce ludicrous fruit, um, the kind of fruit that a human could never do, the kind of crop a human like me especially could never, ever produce um, on our own. So you and I were created to impact and change lives by the word in us and through us that a plant like you and I could never do on our own. You see, the soil hears the word and lets it sink in. It makes a difference and it becomes a harvest. And what Jesus is saying that there is a big group of people, like in the crowd, that will leave me. And, but there's also a group of people that will stick with me. You see, the ones that stick with me, they let the seed of my word penetrate and sink deep and it doesn't stay buried. It explodes to life. You see, God's word has a power in it. It changes you. It changes me, and it makes you and I a source of life. Um, the goal of the Christ, of the Christ follower is to bear fruit. Oh, let me say that again. The goal of the Christ follower is to bear fruit, And someone who embraces the word, embraces Jesus, there's always a radical renovation of the heart. Um, Jesus comes and you are dead and he makes you alive. You are lost and he finds you and he takes his spirit and he plants it in you. And you are marked with the promised Holy Spirit, a guarantee of the things to come. You are something new. And the point of the passage is the receptivity of your heart not how much fruit you are producing. Because if my heart is receptive to the word and I hear his word and I accept it and I receive it and I obey it, (laughs) that seed will burst into life. Um, It will radically change my heart and I will produce fruit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And I think the question is for all of us is how receptive are we to the words of God? When you hear things about Jesus in the word that you don't get or you don't understand, do you say, well, I don't get that. That was dumb and and walk away. Or are you like the disciples? Do you hear things about God? And even though you may not understand it, um, what it means, you lean in, (laughs) you lean in, you go to him and you say, I want to. I want to understand this, Lord. Help me to understand what I need to take seriously, what I need to think about. See, that is why church community and life groups are so important in the life of our church, because it's where you glean and share and learn from others and alongside others to gain insight and to go deeper into God's word, into relationship with him and a relationship with others. You see, are you willing to ponder the thoughts of Jesus, even when it's risky for you, when it might cost you that relationship? Are you willing to listen to him, even though it may have social ramifications for you that could get messy? Are you willing to listen to him, even if it means letting go of some of the things that may bring you a lot of comfort in this life? Are we willing (laughs) to let God plow up the hardened parts of our hearts so that he can give us his heart and heal us. I mean, do we value him like that? I know I want to. You see, the secrets of the kingdom has just been revealed to us. God's work in our lives is an ongoing series of choices. It's a daily choice of taking all those things that distract and choke out the seed of God's word in my life my wants and my agenda and my will and my way and my worries and surrendering all of it to God. God, it's all yours. I surrender it to you and under you. Not what culture says is right, like Craig mentioned last week. You see, we are kingdom people. It's what you, Lord, say is right. You see, it's an ongoing daily waking up and saying, God, help me die. To making this day all about me and what I want. Oh God, how can I make you look good today? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. <laughs> let me pray for us. Oh Lord, yes, the cry of our hearts is that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts that understand the things of you. Plow, weed, weed. Break up, soften the rocky hearts, the rocky hearts towards you. Stir up our affections for you and for your word. Give us understanding, Holy Spirit. You see, we want to be fruit bearing kingdom people for your glory. Help us to set our faces like flint as we daily choose to follow you. You are Lord and we love you and we honor you. In Jesus name, amen. Now, to rob, to give us the benediction
0: this is a blessing that is a a prayer of submission to Jesus, submission to the work of God and to the seed that he wishes to sow in your soil. Let me read it to you, Lord, I am willing to receive what you give to lack what you withhold, to relinquish what you take, to suffer what you inflict, to be what you require and to do what you send me to do, to be what you have called me to be. As you go into this week, may you know the Father tending the soil of your life this week. May Jesus gently and lovingly lead you into the truth. And may the Holy Spirit, the empowering Holy Spirit, give you the courage to chase it down. Amen. Bless you, church. I'll see you next time.